Coming up on our hella confusing 20s. Hey there, it's the Lonely Hour, and you're tuning in to KU3RSTUV WXYNZ Radio. We got jazz, we got more jazz, and guess what? We got jazz. <laughs> Get the cross out of my face. I don't want to see the cross. <laughs> That's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. And he loved America. Welcome back to another episode of our hella confusing 20s. This is the 18th episode. And you know what? I think I realized doing the last episode, this is officially a nighttime podcast because I'm doing it at night. We got the family sleeping outside of the room. I don't want to be too loud. So I got to just kind of use this hushed, chill tone. I mean, it's not like all the way hush that they use on like late night radio. You're tuning in to 101 KKSFCC PTVURSO. <laughs> oh my God, how many letters do they need to cram in the names of radio stations? You know what I'm saying? Hey there, it's the Lonely Hour, and you're tuning in to KR3OSFT, and I'm putting, I'm putting numbers in it, KU3RSTUV, WXYNZ Radio. It is the magic hour, like I said, and we got all your hits coming up. We got jazz, we got more jazz, and guess what? We got jazz. <laughs> but I guess I'm not speaking all the way that low, but I'm also not speaking like my fully loud, energetic, um, harsh voice that I use in the other podcast I do with Max and Orion, the Drama Queens podcast. Check that out if you feel like it. We talk about the industry in LA and having gone to art school in LA and I guess kind of themes like this one, right? The struggles of going through your 20s, the struggles of figuring out who you are, what you're going to be. Why are you so emotionally unavailable? And why does nobody want to date you? Okay, that's maybe not That's maybe not what we cover. Um, and if you feel personally attacked, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. I'm sorry. Moving right along. <laughs> you know, I um, so I recently had to switch the host I do from Wooshka to um, Squeak in my chair. I recently switched the, the podcast host that I use from Wooshka, which is an Australian one, over to Anchor, and I'm getting more listeners already. I didn't really do too many episodes over the past couple years because, I mean, the listenership I was getting in Australia wasn't, I mean, it, it wasn't large enough to necessarily make me feel pressured or encouraged to make weekly episodes, but... Just the past two episodes I've put out through Anchor, the, the views are going up. It's nice. It's nice. And I guess America is such a way bigger market. Hey, if you're listening in the States, God bless America. And if you're listening from anywhere else in the world, God love you. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I saw I got listeners in like the Netherlands, in Taiwan. 
I think Germany, all over the place. And that is so cool to me, you know? Wow, English is such a, what a gateway to the world English is, huh? <laughs> Thank you, British colonialism. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, kinda. In a way, it's like all things, right? There's good, there's good that's come along with it. There's bad that's come along with it, like cars. Cars came around, and now people are like, oh my god, we can travel places hella quicker. And we can travel much greater distances in a much shorter amount of time. But also, now we have car accidents. Now people die. It, there's a new way for people to die. And also there's traffic, and you got to pay for gas. Everything has its downside. That's all I'm saying. Am I defending the British colonial empire throughout all of modern history? Ah. Tomatoes, tomatoes, you know? You got to relax. Anyway, I'm American. We broke free of them hundreds of years ago, right? Oh, my God, I remember when I was, um, I was working at a call center here in Australia. Australia. In case you weren't away, actually living down in Sydney right now. Um, but I was working at this call center up in North Sydney, and there was a guy that I was sitting next to one day, another one of the callers, and he loved America. He loved American history. He was geeking out next to me one time. I was like, "Oh, what? What is it about American history that you find so fascinating?" And this motherfucker had stars in his eyes. He had little Tim Tam colored flavored stars in his eyes. No, but he was like, oh, all the people that have ever tried to go against the British and nobody could ever do it. But then America and George under George Washington's leadership, they figured it out. Maybe because, you know, a bunch of those fools were British. <laughs> Initially, right? And they were like, hey, we want to go do our own thing. We're going across the pond. And guess what, King? We're gonna, we are going to do our own thing. God be damned. Native Americans be damned. <laughs> and there's another British guy. What are you going to call it? What are you going to call your own thing? But what about the United States of America? How does that sound, you pompous twit? <laughs> that sounds like an absolute abomination. A country without a monarchy is hardly a country at all. Anyway. It's sad, huh? All the things we've done to the Native Americans over the years. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that right now. That's a conversation for another podcast. But anyway, this guy was so... And it made me proud you know, even though, of course, these actions have nothing to do with me. Um, I think that what America, I think I've talked about this before. I think what America is founded on, the ideal, is amazing, right? It, rec it recognizes a certain divinity, sovereignty of simply being a human being, that there is something transcendent, right? Just about being a human being that, you know, can't be bound by our laws and our institutions and our our biology and the the tribalism that we fall into and the the darkness that we're susceptible to it's something that as much as possible we strive to defend and and support and keep safe and has the country or any country always done that 
No. But I think it's amazing that the the foundations, the, the structure, right? The pillars, the, the foundational pillars the country is, the country rests on. It's all about that. It's all about that, you know? Anyway, I was really thinking about, like I saw a post and uh, it was basically taking the piss out of the crucifixion of Jesus and saying, oh, like basically making a joke about how useless it was, you know, to fly in the face of the countless Christians around the world that perhaps regard it to be the most significant event of all time. You know, I don't think that's unreasonable to say. And I get that. I get the attitude of being like, oh, yeah, that's useless and, and just taking the piss out of it because there's a lot of people with religious trauma, myself included. I kind of got into that last episode. But, you know, when when you're overly focused on the negative impacts that religion can have, particularly Christianity in this case, how conservative and unsupportive people can be toward their family members, how judgmental and close-minded they can be if they are, I guess, ruled by the more primitive aspects of the belief system, right? They don't take the time to see the symbolic value and, and kind of transcend their unsophisticated viewpoint on it but anyway um it just made me think you know because my my relationship toward the text and toward those events has changed so much and evolved so much over the past few years i've been thinking about doing an article about the utility of the crucifixion story for non-religious people or even for religious people you know what is the what is the significance of that story and I know, I'm not really being funny right now, but you know what? Guess what? I'm not funny all the time, pendejo. You know, sometimes I got to be serious. Sometimes I got to talk about the real philosophy that's going to get you through the day, that's going to get you through 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. And there's a lot of other years that you go through in your 20s that I didn't even say, and I'm here to help you get through those, or any age really, but any, oh my gosh. I'm zigzagging all over the place. You're dying. You're dying to hear this, aren't you? You want to know, what is he going to say about the crucifixion? Jeremy, educate me. I'm probably not going to educate you. Maybe you think of it like this already. Or maybe when I say what I'm about to say, it's going to strike something within you that you're like, you know what? I think I've, I've internally felt that or I've been, that's a truth that is intrinsic to my existence that I haven't put in, in such words before. But anyway, I think the first significant point of the story, right? When Jesus finds out from God that he is to be crucified, he is pissed. He absolutely hates it. He doesn't want to be crucified. He's like, get that cross out of my face. Like fucking Nacho Libre. Get the cross out of my face. I don't want to see the cross. <laughs> That's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. Um, But... There's a lot of, I mean, one could say resentment there, right? There's resentment and resistance toward his fate. But the pivotal moment comes in, hey, there's a switch. Jesus decides to bear his cross willingly. And I think the, the parallel to our lives is we're going to go through a lot of hard shit. 
we're going to go through challenges, unforeseen challenges. There are a lot of awful things that can happen to you in this life. And you take a step back from awful, there are a lot of incredibly difficult things that you will encounter in your life. Um, and when you are like a, you know, late teens and in your 20s, you are perhaps the least prepared to deal with those things that you will ever be. Because ideally, you're going to grow, you're going to learn, you're going to accrue wisdom and experience. And in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and if you're real lucky, you can live to your 90s, maybe even hundreds, you're handling these things better. But I think a key aspect to a meaningful, successful life is identify your cross or identify the crosses that fate or whatever you want to say, the universe, the consequences of your actions, right? Whatever you, whatever forces you feel are at work in your life. What cross are those forces presenting to you? What What is the difficult thing that you can willingly say, hey, I'm going to put that on my back. I'm going to carry that up to the mountain and I'm going to sacrifice myself on there. And I also think that's the, the, I think that's the next kind of key point, right? Is that Jesus is giving his life to a purpose greater than himself. And I think that that's, that's it right there, you know? And for many of us, it's like, oh, maybe that's to your partner or to the union that you and your partner share through the sanctity of marriage, you know? Say, hey, our two flesh is going to become one and I'm going to sacrifice my life and my selfishness and my arrogance and my ego in service of this beautiful thing between us that is timeless, that transcends either one of our individual existences and consciousnesses. And that's gorgeous. It could be your family. It could be your children. It could be your work. You know, it could be making the world a better place. Whatever it is, right? You find your cross and you sacrifice willingly for something greater than yourself. And then... What's the next part I love about the Jesus crucifixion tale? Crucifixion tale. Three days later, something like that. Homie comes back to life. New, fresh. Is he see-through? Are the holes closed up? Is he kind of like floating around now? Is he invisible? Is he Jesus the friendly ghost? I'm not sure. Did it really happen? I mean, hey, I'm not even going to take a stab at that. <laughs> that gets so complex. But he comes back, right? And he's better than he was before. He has shed certain things in his old self that were making him less. You know, maybe his whatever, his physical body, his humanity, his, um, his unwillingness to do what God asks of him there you know his I guess his his fear his his own self-interest all of that is gone when he comes back because now he is purely spirit right and the utility of that I think is there are constantly things about ourself our psyche our psychology our personality our beliefs our values that are not going to serve the next period of our life that we're heading into, right? Maybe 25-year-old Jeremy needs to let go of some things. 
28-year-old, 29-year-old as it moves on? When I become a father, what are the aspects of my current self that I will need to shed so that I can be the best father that I can be? And how does that keep on evolving? Ooh, he said evolving as he's talking about religion. Mm, saucy, saucy. Saucy, saucy. I, hit the, I, I get to the controversial, oxymoronic, wild things on this podcast, all right? No. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think about that every day. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of resurrection and rebirth. I even have, like, the cactus plant flea market, like, Kanye hoodie, the yay must be born again. But it's also brilliant because it's also in kind of oldie English. Ye must be born again, right? And I think that's that's that will always be true. There are always parts of ourselves that need to go through a rebirth, parts of ourselves that need to die, parts of ourselves that can become resurrected, so to speak, reborn anew. And we're just constantly growing, constantly improving. Shedding those extra skins like a snake. Oh my God, quick tangent. I fucking, for the longest time, whenever I would take a Harry Potter sorting hat quiz, I was Slytherin. And I was so proud. I was like, that's right, dude. Fucking ambition. Fucking hustle. By any means necessary, I'm going to get the bag. I'm going to get the success. I'm going to do what it takes. But nowadays, you know, sure, they're cunning, they're intelligent. But I, I, I identify much more as a Gryffindor these days. I identify much more with nobility and and I think Gryffindor, right? I think that that same value I just mentioned is tied into Gryffindor and the J.K. Rowling stories because you know what? It's about sacrificing for a greater good. It's getting beyond self-interest, beyond hunger for power, beyond viewing the world as a zero-sum game where power is all that matters. But anyway, I think I'm fully Gryffindor these days. I think, you know. Another thing I was thinking about were like, damn, do I want to do an article about this? A YouTube video? But in a nutshell, right, it's kind of the, the way I now view the basic, like a basic understanding of how to be a good person how to live a good life, and how to view the dichotomy of your potential in good and evil, right? I mean, there's a lot of ways to view our potential. Like, people can see it as like, oh, it's like all these different psychological pullings, these things from childhood, these things from nature. Um, oh, you know, some people, you know, superstitious people, it's like, oh, there's demons, there's angels, Um and of course, you, you can go into the realm of disorders and illness. But anyway, okay, I'm going to break it down like this, all right? The first kind of thing, that the, the first assumption, I guess, it's not even an assumption. It's like an experiential truth, right? An experiential truth. And here's what it is. We have no idea where our thoughts come from. We don't choose to have our thoughts, right? We're just like, oh, yeah, no, like... This thought occurred to me. This thought came across my mind. Ideas, feelings, you know, pretty much everything is like that. And if you notice for a second, like Sam Harris talks about this a lot on his podcast, just kind of observing the nature of your own consciousness. It's like you're not thinking of pink elephant. 
unless, well, th that's the thought that came into my head. I didn't decide, oh, now I'm going to think about a pink elephant. Literally just the idea of a pink elephant popped into my head. Or when you're thinking to yourself, ooh, what do I want to eat right now, right? And a restaurant or a kind of food will pop into your head. You didn't choose to think of it. Maybe kebab popped into your head. Maybe Chick-fil-A popped into your head, okay? Premise number one, we do not have any idea where our thoughts come from. All right. Premise number two, good and evil exist. This is something that Jordan Peterson talks about a lot, right? Where evil is much more easy, easy to identify, right? When you see things like the Holocaust, you see things like torture, murder, rape, where there's damage, there's harm, there's violations of the humanity of others happening. Causing harm, oftentimes just for the sake of causing harm or for making the person perpetrating the act of harm to feel good. They're trying to make them, themselves feel good. Okay. So premise number two, good and evil exist. So, well, I guess premise number three, right? Premise number three. As human beings, there's something about us that is all the same, right? Because we are human beings, we experience, like obviously we're very different, we're very unique, sure. But there are certain things, we all know what that is. We all know what it is. Um, and Jordan Peterson also talks about this in Beyond Order, right? Like we all like, oh, I was angry. I was carried away. You know what it is to be angry or to be carried away or to be sad. So we don't know where our thoughts come from. We know that good and evil exist in the world. And we know that there is a commonality between human beings in the way we experience things. So we have good thoughts. We have evil thoughts. We don't choose to have the good thoughts or evil thoughts. They simply occur to us. What makes those thoughts occur? Who knows? Like I was saying, is it nature, nurture? Is it literally the devil and demons? that kind of throw the evil thoughts into your mind? Is it God and Christ and Christ-like figures, the Buddha, uh, Muhammad, right? These kinds of forces that plant the good thoughts into your mind? Who knows? I personally, I find the conception of God and Jesus kind of in the realm of good, right? The, the classic good angel and, and devil angel, not devil angel, the classic angel and devil on the shoulder. There we go. But it really is such a deep, deep, useful metaphor because a lot of us, myself included, I've been like this, right? We justify all of our thoughts and all of our feelings. It pops into our head. That must be me. That must be how I feel. That must be what I want to do, right? And you go with it. And the problem is some of us have way more evil, harmful thoughts coming across our mind then good. And if you identify with those thoughts and you act out those thoughts and you unquestioningly believe those thoughts, you're going to be evil person. You're going to be a piece of shit, you know? And so I think the usefulness right there is, bam, identifying the potential for yourself to have very evil thoughts, to want to do evil things, and then to detach and say, I don't have to listen to these things. I don't have to move forward with these things to instead opt to be positive, to be good, to be kind. And that's something I work at constantly, right? I try to catch myself in the moment 
examine the thought in my head and make a judgment over toward whether it'd be beneficial to myself and others or if it would detract from the quality of our experience of life before I do anything else with those thoughts that occur to me. Will we ever know where they come from? Maybe not, but we can learn to handle them. We can put a fucking saddle on them and ride them out into the fucking beautiful fields of wheat as the honeysuckle veranda blooms in the Texas sun shines on our beaded sweat skin. You know what I'm saying? Our five o'clock shadow. And that's what we can do. Um, but you know, something that's been really fucking with me lately is, you know, I've, I didn't used to have panic attacks or anxiety attacks or be overwhelmed by fear, trembling, other such negativities but over like the past i don't know two three years sometimes those things can really just get a hold of me you know something that doesn't seem so bad will have me cowering unable to make eye contact feeling paralyzed um then i do start to shake sometimes then i start crying you know i can i can collapse it's just I can become quite hysterical, just feeling so, so unsafe. And every time it happens to me, it's just like, geez, I I was always such a happy-go-lucky, chill person. I never thought that, I don't know, I never thought that stuff like that um, was in store for me, I guess. But maybe it's just par for the course, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, right? You never you never have gone through the thing until you've gone through it. <laughs> but if you're out there and, you know, if you have panic attacks, if you have anxiety attacks, and if you never thought you would have them, and you feel like a fucking freak or you feel like there's something wrong with you, hey, I'm with you. Hey, I'm here for you. You know, we're in this together. You're a human being. You're okay. You're going to work through it. I've been doing acupuncture, though, and the acupuncture has been helping. Oh, my God. I never really knew too much about acupuncture. I was like, oh, okay, it relieves stuff. It, they put needles in you. You feel good. But, I mean, they, they directly target your central nervous system, I believe, right? It's getting right there in your nerves, and, ooh, you can feel. Oh, my God, our acupuncturist, Joseph, has, like, the magic touch. He can just... He knows right where the nerve is and he just, bam, he gets it in there. Ooh. And sometimes it's very jarring when the needle's going in, but then as the minutes roll by, it, it just releases, releases. And I think it's just helping to get that chi flowing, get that energy moving through your body, through your, through your nervous system more effortlessly, more positively, and it's been helping. I mean, I think I'm... You got to throw everything you can at your problems, you know? So I do self-help. I do some of these tactics, you know, some of my therapists in the past have taught me. I do a lot of breath work. I do Tai Chi. I've been doing some Wim Hof. Um, I think whatever it is you're going through, there are always things you can start to do to begin to take your life back, take control back. Just be somebody that, you know, you love to be 
how to love being in your skin and your body and learn how to, I see it almost as like, um, like waves or like learning to surf where it's like something like a panic attack or like a negative emotion, right? You can't stop that from coming and hitting you like a wave, right? You're out in the ocean, waves are going to come. Sometimes they're little waves and you can be like, oh, easy, easy. Sometimes they're big waves and it's going to be hard not to wipe out. But if you've practiced a lot, if your technique is on point, right? You can get through that wave without wiping out and you stay calm, you stay serene. The wave passes, the intense emotion passes and you're back in your regular chill ass self, right? You're seven out of 10 on the happiness scale where most of us sit most of the time. We're at seven. Most of us are at a seven. Um, yeah, so just throw those skills at it. Throw those skills at it. I remember I was reading this book too, where I think it was, again, I reference this book a lot because there's a lot of good shit in it, but it's called The Happiness Curve by Jonathan Rauch. I'm pretty sure this is the one. I'm pretty sure this is where I read this, but I could be totally wrong. But it talked about how, you know, in our 20s, we can be very emotionally, uh, what's the word, out of control, our ability to handle our tantrums, our anxieties, our fears, our stresses is not super developed. And for most people, it's quite a rough go. But um, what I read in the book is that people, you know, in their 40s and 50s, when they have attacks of, or no, maybe attacks is not a, a fit all word. Sometimes it's attacks. Maybe it just creeps on or they find themselves in a mood. But anyway, the strength of their negative emotions is just as intense, but they come back much more quickly than us 20-something-year-olds. They're able to get a hold of themselves and get back on track, you know, ideally, right? It's sad when you do see people who are of that age and they're still so poor at emotional management. <laughs> we don't want to be that person, right? We do not want to be that person. It's crazy to think about getting older, though. I remember like when I was back in Fremont and I mean, I, I gave this Uber ride to this young couple. They were, I mean, I guess young parents. They were both in their thirties and they had a, a small child at home and I was picking them up to drive them into San Francisco for a date night. They were going to this Italian place and, um, we actually got into like a pretty good chat, like about their careers and about what they wanted to do. Like the husband was working at um, Uber, funnily enough, <laughs> at the tech company, but he was looking to transition out because he wanted to manage a team and he felt like his, you know, work, what he was doing at Uber wasn't challenging enough for what he was capable of. The wife was in accounting. Was she in accounting? Or maybe she was studying to be in accounting no she was in accounting but she was looking to get out of it and do something else because she wasn't super passionate about accounting but i mean who is you know most people in their lives are going to work jobs not careers but so anyway 
um, I get to a good conversation with these folks, just, you know, asking them what it's like to be young parents and all these things. And then I get to asking, I was like, you know, what is it? How do you feel being in your 30s, in your early 30s, compared to how you felt in your 20s? And what the wife was saying was, there are just, well, okay, first of all, as she got close to 30, like I think we all do, she was terrified. It's like, oh my God, the big transition into 30, you know, what is it going to be like? I'm fucking old. That's what we always think. We think like, oh my God. I'm going to be so old. Oh, my God, I'm fucking old. Oh, my God, dude, I'm fucking old. Where do the years go? Where's the time going? What have I even done with my life? You know, we can be like that. We can absolutely be like that. And she, and she was like that. So she turned 30, and she didn't really feel any different. You know, it was like, oh, okay, this is good. This is good. But as she started getting into her 30s, I think she was like 33 at the time of this Uber ride. She was just saying that there are a lot of things that she's learned about herself that she never would have thought about in her 20s, right? And I love that, you know, an increase of our self-knowledge and she's, she has more acceptance. She appreciates things more. And hopefully that's a trend that just keeps on going. And the husband was a a little quiet in that section, but I think he seemed a little, I don't know, a little less deep than her, I suppose. A little more focused on the work and the career. <laughs> but I think he was in a similar boat, you know, where they were just appreciating what the wisdom of age and parenthood was bringing them. And yeah, it was a really nice chat with the with that married couple. And then when I was dropping them off at the Italian restaurant, the wife was really just like, you know, she, I really appreciate your whole attitude and just the way you see things and your curiosity. And I think you're on, you know, you're on a good path. You're going to be fine. You're going to be good. And it was cool, right? Like moments of human connection like that are, I think, what's dope about rideshare driving. Ah, oh, I have so many fucking Uber stories and Lyft stories. I've been thinking about, like, damn, should I just do a podcast of just Uber stories? Or, like, <laughs> like I've been watching Haunted on Netflix, which is, like, the real, like, haunted ghost stories. And then they'll have um, dramatizations, you know? I should just fucking narrate my uber stories and then just have <laughs> just have fucking dramatizations or i could write a novel of short stories right just it's just called rideshare rideshare a collection of stories from a millennial <laughs> you could even steal that idea because you don't have the fucking same rideshare stories i do you know I guarantee you, hey, if you're a rideshare driver and you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, I'm going to fucking steal Jeremy's idea. Do it, bitch. Because guess what? I'm going to do it and I'm going to fucking shit on yours. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe your stories will be really good. I really believe that. We all have our stories to tell. We all should tell our stories. Figure out a way to tell it where you can, it can connect to people and make a positive impact, right? Tell all the stories you can because... The more stories people hear, 
you know, the more specific stories that they take in, it's going to bring into the realm of possibility in their mind, you know, what is within the scope of human existence, where it's like, oh my God, I didn't realize other people felt like this or did this or had these kind of experiences with their parents, with their partners, with strangers. And then you hear someone else talk about it and you're like, oh shit, we're all the same. We're all the same. And that's super comforting, you know? So tell your stories and I'll tell my stories. But that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Speaking of Haunted on Netflix, that shit is crazy to watch. I grew up really not believing in ghosts and the supernatural, even though I used to be fucking terrified after I watched um, The Sixth Sense for the first time. And there's that scene where Macaulay Culkin, oh my god, it's not Macaulay Culkin, Haley Joel Osment, is looking at the foot of his bed, and there's just a fucking ghost with the back of its head blown off. Oh my God, so many nights I would lie in bed and I would just be terrified that I would look at the foot of my bed and see the fucking brain juice just oozing out of that fucking ghost from the movie. Anyway, I was quite skeptical. I was like, nah, I don't, I just don't believe that shit. I just think it's fucking ridiculous. But seeing these like things like, oh, this is a true story and people talking about their experiences. I mean, who am I to tell them they didn't experience those things, you know? And now that I'm older, I've experienced some weird shit. And I've experienced things that if I had told myself those things like 10 years ago, I'd be like, you're not going to experience that, bro. That ain't real. That ain't shit. And I do think to an extent, like our mind imagines things to be afraid of particularly around darkness and mystery and it can concoct you know boogeymen things that are you know like what's that that saying the night is dark and full of terrors right waiting to snatch you and eat you and bite you and i think it's partially that but i don't know there's some really wild stuff and thinking about oh where do our thoughts come from and then thinking of maybe these thoughts are you know symbolically or literally uh demons negativity, things that sweep in that maybe are beyond our control, right? And beyond our full understanding. And so, yeah, oh my God, I'm spooking myself out. I'm spooking myself out talking about this. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to keep the episodes too long. You know, Third, I did like 36 minutes last week. I'm at like 38 and a half minutes now. I think that's good. I think that's a good amount of stuff to talk about. Yeah, so hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of our hella confusing 20s, now a nighttime pod, now a nighttime pod on DJ QVSFM Z42, the magic hour. <laughs> Bringing you philosophy, comedy, and musings about Haunted on Netflix. <laughs> um... But yeah, hey, I'm at not funny funny guy on all the socials. If you enjoy the podcast, please, you know, leave a review if you'd like to. I'd appreciate it if you enjoy it. Uh, find me on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. I should make more TikToks. They're just fun, you know. Um, what else? Oh, I've been biking. Like, oh, that's no, that's for next time. I'm not gonna get into that. I'm ending the podcast. Ugh. 
I can be so scatterbrained when I'm doing this. I'm just like, bounce, 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 like a freaking bouncy ball. Anyway, thanks for being here. Um, check out the Drama Queens podcast, too, with Jeremy, Max, and Ariane. I'm Jeremy, in case it wasn't abundantly clear. But it's nice to do my own podcast because I don't have to fucking listen to Max and Ariane. I don't have to wait for them to finish talking. I can talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. Oh, man. I fucking love doing that podcast with them. But it also makes me appreciate this solo time. Solo time. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Stay safe out there. You're not alone. Be creative. Tell your stories. Give yourself the help you need. Bear your cross willingly. Make the world a better place. Focus on the good thoughts and act on those. And freaking get your COVID vaccine, folks. Get out uh, if you can. I realized uh, that can be privileged. You might not be able to get it. But hey, if you can, get your COVID vaccine, folks. Have a good night. See you next time on Our Hella Confusing Crackers. Our Hella Confusing Twenties. Oh my god, I'm so annoyed. Anyway, peace out.